mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, a young woman in Tennessee has gone viral for her story about being fired just a week into her job because she didn't know what she was supposed to be doing or how to do it, sparking a discussion about whether companies have forgotten how to train their workers. We'll dig into it. Also in our community and business spotlight this morning, the United Way of Hancock County continues to provide free income tax assistance to eligible residents. We'll get details. In case you missed it, local filmmaker A.J. Dufresne talks about the premiere of his latest project and its many Findlay connections. And happening around town, Christian Clearinghouse is preparing for their annual benefit garage sale. It's the treasure hunt for a cause. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Thursday, February 15th, 2024. So... The fact that you are listening this morning means that you survived Valentine's Day yesterday, so congratulations. And of course, yesterday was not only Valentine's Day, the day of sweet indulgence, it was also Ash Wednesday, which is supposed to be, for Christians, a solemn day of uh, self-denial. So, what to do? We were faced with a bit of a conundrum yesterday. Um, There's a, a priest who serves students at the University of Texas, Noah Stansberry. Uh, decided to try and combine the two things, Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday, by having those little candy hearts. Uh, He had uh, custom candy hearts made with the messages, dust to dust and life is short. (laughs) Which is exactly the kind of message that you want for Valentine's Day. So, um, by the way, in case you wondered... How often does this happen where Valentine's Day and uh, Ash Wednesday fall on the same day? It is rather rare. Uh, The next time that strange double holiday will happen will be 2029. So here in another few years. But after that, it won't be until the year 2170. So just to let you know, in 2029, we'll have to deal with Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday falling on the same day once again. But then, never again for the rest of our lifetime. <laughs> it won't happen until 2170. So, uh, not uh, very common. Uh, let's see. What is some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day? Uh, speaking of uh, Valentine's Day, if you yesterday uh, were scrambling around at the last second to fulfill your Valentine obligation for that special someone, you are not alone. According to uh, retail uh, data from the tracking company Numerator, for the last two years, about half of all Valentine's Day spending on flowers, candy, and cards occurred between February 11th and the 14th. So in those final three days, about half of all of the, the spending. This is not like Christmas where we... Uh, shop weeks or even months ahead. Well, some of us do that for Christmas. Some of us wait until the last second for Christmas, too. And if you wait until the last second for Christmas, obviously you're going to wait until the last second for uh, Valentine's Day. But uh, about half of us uh, wait until uh, the last minute. Sales have peaked on February 14th itself. Not just half of all spending in the three days right before the holiday, but sales have peaked right on Valentine's Day. 75% of red roses sold at Walmart were sold on the 13th and or the 14th. 
Which, now that makes sense. You're not going to buy roses too far in advance, right? You're going to buy those the last couple of days. Um, Although stores begin pushing their Valentine's Day inventory weeks ahead of time, most consumers save their shopping for the last minute. Um, Candy is the most popular gift, and cards come in second place. So... So if you waited until the last minute, long and short of it is, if you wait until the last minute, uh, you are not alone yesterday. I I uh, decided to take my wife out to eat. We went to Cracker Barrel <laughs> yesterday because, you know, we're old now, and that's what we do as old people. We go to Cracker Barrel. And uh, so I had this I had this down. I thought it was uh, really clever of me. I kind of gave myself a pat on the back because, you know, of course, they have the uh, store out front of the restaurant. So I took my wife out to eat and I said, pick anything you want out. Uh, pick out anything you want from the store. And that is your Valentine's Day. You can pick anything you want. See, that was really clever. And it worked. <laughs> uh, let's see what else going on in the uh, world around us here. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Everyone knows somebody at work or at school who is sort of like the office clown or the class clown. Um, generally, someone who is the class clown in school turns into the office clown uh, at work. And apparently, this is something that we humans inherited from our ape ancestors millions and millions of years ago. Uh, it says uh, in the story, everyone's seen kids tease each other, whether they're poking, pulling hair, engaging in the old time ritual ritual of I'm not touching you. you know, it was right. Tease each other. Kids do this sort of playful teasing also occurs among our great ape cousins. There's according to a research Uh, A team of researchers report published earlier this week in the journal Proceedings of the Royal Society. Um, Orangutans, chimpanzees, uh, gorillas all engage in different forms of playful teasing. The uh, researchers say ape teasing, like, like for humans, ape teasing is provocative and persistent and includes elements of surprise and play. So... It's just nature. It's just nature. It was interesting. Apes do it too, apparently. Hmm. Um, speaking of work, uh, maybe you need a, a prankster to kind of lighten the mood after something like this happens. Did you see this uh, story? Apparently on Tuesday, a typo sent shares of Lyft soaring. On Tuesday, there's a uh, the company's fourth quarter earnings statement. Uh, for the rideshare company Lyft, the fourth quarter earnings statement estimated its gross profit margin to increase by five percentage points. And investors saw that. And wow, I mean, the price of the stock went through the roof. Problem is, it was supposed to not say five percentage points, but a half of a percentage point. So instead of 5%, it was supposed to be 0.5%. Oops, just a little typo in the report there. Uh, stocks, uh, stock was up 62% before coming back down to earth, uh, after the correction was issued, <laughs> which, how would you like to be the uh, person who, uh, had typed up that report and was responsible for that typo? <laughs> Oops. That was not a, not a good day at work there. You need 
a prankster to lighten the mood uh, in the office after something like that, I guess. And uh, speaking of work, I thought this was kind of interesting. I'll share this as you are uh, getting up, getting ready to head to work for the day. How many breaks do you take during the typical work day? Do you generally uh, take a a 10-minute, we we used to call them smoke breaks. People don't smoke anymore, but um, it says one, I guess because we don't take smoke breaks anymore, we just don't take breaks anymore. One in eight Americans say they do not take any breaks during the day. This is a survey of 2,000 workers. Uh, Respondents to the survey say the perfect break would last about 17 minutes And uh, common break time activities include listening to music, enjoying a snack, going for a walk. But one in eight do not take uh, breaks during the uh, day. 36% of those in the survey say they wish they could take more breaks. While taking breaks may seem counterintuitive in today's busy world, studies show that they can be of great benefit to overall well-being, including helping to reduce stress, uh, enhance mood, improve concentration and focus, and increase productivity. Uh, Breaks can increase productivity. So next time your uh, boss is complaining that you're taking too many breaks, it is increasing your productivity. Although, I would have to assume that uh, there is a a point over which you get diminishing return. There is a point of diminishing returns. If you take too many breaks, (laughs) you're not going to increase productivity. But you know what I'm saying. So um, if you're among those that just doesn't take a break at work, might consider, you know, just putting down your putting down your pen, stepping away from your keyboard, and just take a 17-minute break. Go for a walk, listen to some music, kind of relax, have a snack. You'll be much better off, and so will everyone around you. There you go. Some of the most interesting research proves it. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your. Thursday morning started now. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Cloudy and windy today, a high in the mid-40s. Partly cloudy tonight, a low around 30. The Finley Police Department says two people were injured in a two-vehicle crash in the 2100 block of North Blanchard Street. Police say an 82-year-old man from Finley was driving northbound on North Blanchard when he attempted to make a left turn into a private driveway and turned in front of a southbound vehicle being driven by a 39-year-old woman from Finley. The vehicles collided and each had to be towed from the scene. Police say the man had a chest injury and the woman had a neck and back injury and both were taken to Blanchard Valley Hospital. Get more on the crash in the story on our website. Two former First Energy executives, along with former Public Utilities Commission of Ohio Chairman Sam Randazzo, who was nominated for the job by Governor DeWine, have pleaded not guilty in the same bribery scandal that landed former Ohio House Speaker Larry Householder in prison. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine weighing in on those indictments for the very first time, saying... The Attorney General has taken action through the grand jury uh, in Summit County, and we assume there'll be a trial, and, you know, I... As a former county prosecuting attorney, I have great, great confidence in our jury system. A pretrial hearing for those men is now set for April 19th. I'm Andrew Kinsey. 
The Finley boys basketball team is the number one seed in their district in the upcoming OHSAA state tournament. The Trojans got a first round bye and will take on Toledo Waite, the 20 seed, on March 1st at 7 p.m. at Finley High School. The winner will advance to the district semifinals on March 5th. You can check out the full bracket and the story on our website. The Trojans are back in action Friday night at Napoleon in a game you can hear on WFIN. More than 300 NFL prospects from around the country will gather soon with a number of them from Ohio State. Eight Ohio State Buckeyes are heading to Indianapolis to participate in the 2024 NFL Scouting Combine at the end of the month. Among this year's invitees are Marvin Harrison Jr., Mayan Williams, and Cade Stover. Over the last 12 seasons, 94 Buckeyes have been invited to the Combine. I'm Tracy Townsend. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. So today's cover story is uh, about a topic that you you might have heard about this um, because it went viral not too long ago. And I found this issue to be really fascinating. And if you haven't heard the story... Let me share some of the basics here and uh, indulge me because it's it's kind of long and involved, but bear with me. Uh, Story is about a recent college grad who said she was hired and fired in less than two weeks from her first job. The course of like just over a week, basically, she said she was hired and then fired. And it has sparked a conversation on TikTok about the deterioration of corporate onboarding and the question of whether companies have forgotten how to train their new workers. Uh, So this is the story. Sierra Desiree Frederick said that she had recently started a new graphic design job at a firm in Tennessee. It was her first full-time job after graduating from college last August. In the video, she recounts how she was on the job for five days, uh, three or four of which she said she did nothing at all during her time where she did nothing. She sat there and twiddled her thumbs because the other two people on her team didn't know how to train her. And furthermore, she said her colleagues told her they didn't know what work to give her to do. So she was kind of feeling useless at this job that she had just been hired for. And then on her sixth day of work, just when she had decided to share her concerns with the CEO of the company, she arrived at work and he was already there. The CEO was standing at her desk with an envelope to inform her that she was being let go. She was told it wasn't working out and that the company would be seeking another candidate. And like most people, when I uh, heard about this story, I was flabbergasted. (laughs) You know, she wasn't told... One trained uh, on how to do her job, was uh, told they her co-workers didn't know what she was supposed to be doing, and then she was fired uh, six days in because it wasn't working out. And uh, based on the amount of responses to her video, her experience, while perhaps an extreme case, appears not to be particularly unique. Apparently, in today's corporate culture, many companies seem to have forgotten about the important process of training new employees. And so joining us uh, this morning to talk about how we got here and how this is impacting both employers and workers is Carol Turchik. She heads up the Center for Corporate Engagement at Ohio Northern University. And Carol, does this story 
surprise you at all or is does it sound kind of familiar how lacking is the protocol of corporate onboarding in business today well i think a few things one is a lot of companies do have an onboarding process mm-hmm. um, however the people that are a lot of times onboarding these individuals are people who are working in the business yeah so it gets very difficult to manage working in the business and working on the business well and one of the things uh, in this uh, woman's story is uh, she said not only did none of the people that she worked with know how to train her to do the job they didn't even know what work to give her so it seemed like there is a, a big disconnect at least in this company uh between management and employees in terms of who's doing what and so on so yeah and um i'm sure your listeners will agree that when we're in the day-to-day mm-hmm. you know there's just so much and everyone has so much so to take the time to really first of all train someone to train someone right um takes time right and then you're in in your job, doing your job. And so those days go by, those moments go by, and those um, tasks a lot of times don't get accomplished. Um, A lot of people have a great vision for it, and Mm -hmm. really accomplishing it gets very difficult. Is is part of the... It it seems like this is a growing issue in, in business. I wonder how much of that goes back to uh the downsizing that so many companies uh, have uh, have done um, that fewer people are responsible for more things and at some point they get stretched to the point where I don't have anybody to train you for your job or you know something something like that is that part of what we see going on yes we hear that quite often yeah. so we hear um, and a lot of times we'll come in to help develop uh, those employees because mm-hmm. we have those programs that's what we do um, because it is really difficult for these companies who are trying to do more with less or they may be growing very rapidly mm. and so people are taking on more responsibilities so it may be that they're actually very prosperous <laughs> and that also causes causes a set of challenges which is maybe why they're hiring in the first Correct, place yeah. right I, th- you you touch on uh, obviously the center for corporate engagement this is much of what you do um i'm i'm wondering if that and and certainly it's it's very important and not to disparage that at all but i'm wondering if that also can in some cases contribute to this because so many uh companies uh, assume that uh students are getting that type of education uh vocationally or in college or or what have you that they should be able to come right into a job and start you know without uh, much onboarding at all Right. And I do think that, um, you know, there is an expectation that people will come with certain level of skills or tools in their toolbox. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're finding that really, truly, um, there's a lack of just some basic leadership management skills. It may not be technical, but there's a lot of other things to really doing a job and being in a role. Um, and the people taking that job expect that from a company mm-hmm. and the people that are there training them may not really actually even have the tools to do that. Yeah. So especially if we're seek, we're speaking to someone who may be in that type of a situation or, uh, somebody who's going to be a uh, you know, a new college graduate who fears getting into one of those situations, What's the best way to deal with that so you so you don't find yourself um, hired for a great job, not sure what you're doing, not sure how to do what you're doing, and you don't want to end up 
being out of a job because of this uh, problem. How do you avoid that? Sure. And that sounds like a very um, interesting situation. Right. Um, But I think there's a few things. One, um, I think companies need to really evaluate how are we bringing these people on board? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's expensive to recruit and to train or, you know, to bring somebody on board. Mm -hmm. And you really don't want to lose that person after such a short amount. They haven't even had an opportunity to be productive yet. Right. Right. So so companies really do need to look at what is that process? Are the people who are asking to train those people qualified to to do that and do they have the time mm-hmm. and then for the individual that is a great question to ask when you are interviewing and 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 really understanding you know um is this the right fit and is this the right company or, mm-hmm. or what does that look like for me things questions like what specifically will i be doing who will be training me that kind of thing right right and then i think there needs to be probably a little bit of level setting of expectations um if you see that that's happening and maybe assessing why you know are people busy is it a a, a, just a, a time frame, and this will happen later on. Um, mm-hmm. it, are there things you can do in the meantime? Um, and it may be a little patience, but but I absolutely understand that people want to be productive immediately. Yeah. And if they have the expectation they're going to be trained, then they should have that. So it sounds like a combination of perhaps unrealistic expectations by a company of what uh, people would be avail- uh, able to do right out of the gate. And perhaps some cutbacks that lead to people falling through the cracks in this way, um, which I guess that'll give us the opportunity to plug the uh, center, uh, places like the Center for Corporate Engagement, uh, you can actually help in that uh, regard. One of the reasons why programs such as yours are becoming more and more popular. Absolutely. Um, You know, organizations are very stretched and where they're going to have departments or people or provide the resources internally, mm-hmm. or are they going to partner with someone to do that? And yeah. so we can even look at um, what is that onboarding process and what should that look like? And and some people aren't, you know, really don't have the resources to understand what a, a good process might look like. And what is that first question? If I'm a business owner, um, what would that first question be when I try to analyze and and understand whether or not I have a problem like this. I mean, I'm a big proponent of of listening. So I would ask, ask the question yeah. for people who were hired within the last year, people who were hired five years ago, people who were hired two weeks ago. You know, how did you feel coming on board and really mm-hmm. understanding what it took for those people to get trained, feel part of the organization, what is that culture like, and really listen to to what is happening within the organization. Really uh, interesting stuff. And uh, one of the many challenges that businesses today face in the uh, corporate climate that we exist, Carol Turchik is with the Ohio Northern University Center for Corporate Engagement with us this morning talking about uh, corporate onboarding and the process that exists or in some cases doesn't exist these days. Carol, thanks very much for the insight. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Now, the Good Mornings Community and Business Spotlight. Once again, putting the United Way of Hancock County in the spotlight this morning. And uh, CEO Angela Dabosky is with us. Uh, obviously, this is tax season. We talked about this uh, before, but the uh, it's such an important uh, thing that you do, uh, helping those who uh, need help uh, filing their tax return 
to get that help so they make sure that they uh, get everything that they are entitled to. Tell us more about the uh, service. Well, some folks don't realize how large it is. So we hope to do between 1,500 and 2,000 returns this year. All volunteer based. So we have about 25 folks that are preparing taxes and an additional 25 volunteers that are helping to get all the information together and support people. So over 50 people that are volunteering to make sure that our low-income households are taken care of. That is yeoman's work for uh, a handful of people, basically, to do nearly 2,000, uh, 1,500 to 2,000 returns. So they're going to be very busy over the uh, coming weeks. They are, and it, it is all done free. So we are scheduling appointments. If okay. people want to call into to our office, they can call in at 567 250-1955 and we can schedule them with an appointment and even if you don't think that you need to file because you're under a certain threshold for income mm-hmm. it's a good idea to come in because sometimes uh, with the credit the tax credits that are out there even if you don't need to file you might be getting something in return that was unexpected and that is there are any number of ways that that benefits the community obviously it uh, benefits individuals and families directly but then there is that trickle down effect as well yeah so uh, folks get returns they we had over a million dollars in returns that went back into our community last year yeah so that's a lot of spending power that mm-hmm. happens um, Additionally, we're partnering this this year with the Financial Opportunity Center. So if folks would like to, some follow-up help, maybe they're struggling to make ends meet across the year, the Financial Opportunity Center can help with resources and budgeting and things that can help a family just get their feet underneath of them. And... Uh, so that hence the reason we're talking about it again is because this is so important and you get the stories you hear the stories every year uh, of uh, folks who uh, you know get a tremendous benefit out of this we do and actually this one hit closer to home this year so i have a story to share um this our son is currently deployed Mm -hmm. he is in the u.s army and um I was able to share an online tool that United Way is paying into to be able to help our service members. So he's able to get some help online for a free tax preparation. He's shared it with his entire platoon. So although our services just help Hancock County, yeah. it has it has a reach across the globe to be able to help people. So how do folks uh, get more information? As you mentioned, need to sign up for an appointment because you know you do the math. Uh, you only have uh, twenty. 50 people who are uh, doing upwards of 1,500, 2,000 tax returns <laughs> going to need an appointment uh, yes. for this. How do uh, folks get one of those? You can call into our office to schedule an appointment. If you'd like to learn more about the whole program, though, you can go on to uwhancock.org to learn more. And is there a deadline? No, the tax deadline is April 15th. Um, how late toward that deadline are you scheduling the appointments? And well, right now we're scheduling out to the mid to the end of March. So okay. I would suggest call in now, yeah. get your appointment, but we're only going to be doing appointments until uh, about the 10th to the 13th okay. of April. So And so the sooner the better to uh, get that appointment uh, before yes. they get filled up. And obviously the sooner you get it done, the sooner you can get those refunds back. So always a benefit there too. Again, it Angela Dabosky, the United Way of Hancock County with us this morning. Angela, thanks very much. Thank you. The Community and Business Spotlight is a promotional advertisement paid for by the featured sponsor.
Coming up this weekend, local filmmaker uh, A.J. Dufresne is going to premiere his latest project. It is a short film called Act of God. It'll be happening at the Ritz Theater in Tiffin. There are a lot of Findlay connections uh, to this, not only, of course, the uh, filmmaker uh, from uh, from here in town and, and most of the people behind uh, the creation of the uh, of the film, producing, directing, uh, all of that uh, from, from Findlay, but many other Findlay connections as well. In case you missed it last week, we spoke with AJ about this project. How did you find out about the story? Give us kind of the background here. Yeah, uh, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, so I have two of my friends that you probably know in the community knows, Aaron Osborne and Ben Walton. Mm-hmm. Um, we were working at UF. Uh, basically gave me a challenge and said, if you write a script, um, we can make it and produce it. And I was like, cool. So I came across this article called California Suit, and it was in Santa Rosa, California from 1969. And it just said an Oakland attorney filed a $100,000 damage suit against the deity for careless and negligent control of the weather. And I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. And I thought, well, I could write that script, and it'd be easy to shoot because we could shoot it in the courthouse and mm-hmm. uh, be a dialogue and that's basically how it started so the story is uh, a woman and again this actually happened a woman sued god because the extreme weather uh, destroyed her house that's correct yeah Yeah, it's uh it's a true story about a woman from it was 1960 when it actually took place Uh um and she sued god uh for destroying her home with lightning and she lived in arizona and what had happened, what, what had took, taken place in 1869 was that this guy, Luke Gottlieb, tried to avoid taxes, so he, he um, conveyed his land to God uh, in Sonoma County, and Russell Tansy, who was Betty's attorney, said, hey, here's an opportunity. God now owns land and property, real property, in Sonoma County, so they brought suit there. One of the uh, most unusual lawsuits uh, ever filed, and uh, obviously some notoriety uh, associated with that, as you might imagine. So talk a little bit about making the movie. Uh, This was filmed uh, pretty much all locally, right? Yeah, we shot it at the uh, Hancock County Courthouse. Uh, Judge Routon gave us permission to use the, the courthouse, and we did it over a weekend. Uh, the court scenes, and then we used the outside of the courthouse for some other exterior shots. We did all the shooting in, in probably a week. That's what I was going to ask, you know, how long the, the production schedule was actually pretty tight because you're using actually a working courtroom as the main set here. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, getting in there was um, was difficult, and I really appreciate what uh, Reggie Routson was able to do for us. And he came and let us in and said, okay, uh, don't ruin anything. The only thing we did was <laughs> change the flag from the uh, state of Ohio flag to a state of California, California flag, flag for the shoot. That was pretty, pretty yeah. much it. <laughs> yeah. Um, this also, obviously, a lot of the people that will appear in the film will be familiar to people as well. Yes. Julie Taft Ryder, who is Betty Penrose, um, she's local. She's been in many productions in the high school to uh, the Philly Playhouse. Um, George Russmeyer play Slim Jim Robbins, uh, he's the defendant, and Ryan Parker, who's a musician, local musician, mm-hmm. plays Russell Tansy. Um, yeah, we, and then um, I'm trying to think of who else, uh, there's a couple, John McKinnon, who's uh, uh plays a judge, he's a friend of mine from high school, um, 
He's got an interesting past because he was a detective in Alaska, and he's been on the Discovery Channel's true crime shows. So they all come with various levels of experience. And uh, we had two rehearsals, and I'm telling you, I was just flabbergasted. I couldn't believe how well they hit their marks, hit their lines, and it was really uh, extraordinary to work with them. They were very professional, and uh, just uh, even Julie, you know, in the background when her attorney Russell was talking. And her responses with her facial expressions just make me laugh, you know? Yeah. And that's probably the best way I could describe this movie, because I, I showed it to them, and they're like, well, is it a drama or a comedy? And I'm like, well, we'll have to call it a dramedy, because it's got drama and comedy in it. But yeah. it's not making fun of God. It's it's making fun of the process, you know, of what they're trying to accomplish. And obviously, uh, this is a very unusual lawsuit that carries with it some absurdity. Uh, yeah. A certain level of absurdity, but at the same time, uh, some interesting issues that are raised in terms of jurisprudence here. As we mentioned, uh, the uh, first screening, the premiere, is going to be February 18th, and this is at the Ritz. If folks want to see the show, how do they get tickets for this? Well, the tickets are free. starts at 6 p.m. Doors okay. open at 6 p.m. Okay. I'll probably start the film about 6.30, but it's a big theater. It's got 1,200 seats, so you can just show up. I, again, part of our conversation with uh, A.J. Dufresne, local filmmaker, his uh, new project, Act of God. It's a short film, uh, debuts this weekend at Tiffin's Ritz Theater. If you want to learn more about it uh, and attend the premiere screening, um, you know, roll out the red carpet and the whole thing. You'd be How often do you get to go to a, a movie premiere? You know, that's pretty cool. Uh, you can check our webpage, goodmornings.net, and we have the link there for uh, more information and, uh, again, you check that out uh, this weekend. Act of God. Best of luck to uh, A.J. Dufresne, his new uh, project. Pretty cool. A lot of uh, Finley connections there. This is Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Some... Valentine's Day uh, fun in the broken news uh, this morning. Uh, so who could resist a cuddly teddy bear at your door on Valentine's Day? Well, a suspected drug dealer in Peru couldn't resist, and now she's paying the price. This is <laughs> actually pretty resourceful of uh, law enforcement. A video shows cops going undercover, one of whom dressed in a full teddy bear costume. <laughs> Cops, uh, the cop dressed up as a, uh, a full-size teddy bear in an attempt to lure a female drug suspect out of her house with the promise of a teddy gram. <laughs> the woman fell for it, and following a short foot chase, police were able to uh, catch and arrest her. Now, I haven't seen this video but uh, was it the was it the cop in the teddy bear outfit that was chasing the woman? <laughs> Must have been quite a sight. <laughs> chasing the woman down uh, after uh, luring her out of her home with the uh, fake teddy gram. The woman is heard proclaiming her in- innocence uh, as she was brought to the station and booked. <laughs> a search of her home reveals some unmarked bags hidden in and around the premises, although it's not clear what they contain. But we can imagine. <laughs> very clever. Very clever. Very resourceful. Speaking of Valentine's Day 
fun. This is probably not quite the Valentine's Day gift that one Florida woman was expecting. Sheriff Grady Judd uh, says her her ex-boyfriend, Anthony Lewis, allegedly um, placed a bunch of crane statues in her yard in an effort to, I don't know, impress her. It is a crane statues like these, you know, pink flamingos with cranes. Here's the problem. Apparently, Mr. Lewis uh, stole the crane statues from someone else's yard and put them in her yard. <laughs> and it was the sheriff's ex-boyfriend who did this. You didn't think that this would there was there were problems with this whole idea? <laughs> In a video posted to the department's Facebook page, Sheriff Judd says the statues were a gift uh, to the victim from her late husband. Um, uh, Initially, the people who the statues belonged were a gift from her late husband. So this story just gets better and better. Uh, Ms. Judd says Mr. Lewis has several previous burglary and theft charges and is now behind bars uh, in Polk County. So... Just all kinds of weird. You didn't think there was a problem with that uh, whole uh, uh, idea? It was not the perfect plan. Steal someone else's lawn statues and put them in her yard. Yeah. <clears throat> you hear about the uh, story, and this is making headlines uh, today, actual headlines uh, this morning. A pair of climate protesters were arrested at the National Archives yesterday after dumping pink powder over the case containing the U.S. Constitution. The vandalism took place yesterday afternoon at the National Archives in Washington, D.C. Security guards security guards uh, witnessed the incident as it unfolded and took uh, the uh, individuals, the uh, two men, into custody. Officials closed down the National Archives for the rest of the day. They say the Constitution appeared undamaged, Uh, because it is encased in the most scientifically advanced housing that preservation technology can provide. And that's the thing. I mean, did they they honestly think that they were damaging the U.S. Constitution in any way? I mean, pink powder all over the... Again, talk about plans that were not well thought out there. What are you thinking? Uh, A couple of uh, other items in the broken news, the odd and unusual side of the headlines. A door-to-door salesman in Texas was saved by his tablet during a shooting in Fort Worth uh, earlier this week. The unnamed salesman was going door-to-door when a resident uh, resident, uh, allegedly cussed the man out and then shot at him. Fortunately, the salesman was holding his computer tablet at the time, and the tablet took the bullet. Uh, Probably saved his life. The Fort Worth Police Department is still investigating, and uh, they may charge the suspect with a hate crime because the uh, salesman was minority and the uh, person uh, on the other end was uh, using racial slurs through the uh, whole thing. But that is crazy. Uh, the, uh, the tablet, because he was holding the tablet, saved his life. But that is, I mean, that's a crazy job these days. You just never know what kind of weirdos you're going to, you know, be knocking on somebody's door and you have no idea what, uh, 
Well, maybe waiting for you on the other side. My goodness. I'd if I was this door to door salesman, I'd be looking for a new job right about now, you know? So, well, thank you. I think I've had enough. Um, and a couple of other uh, items here. This is a just a bizarre story. Another bizarre story. This out of uh, Grand Island, Nebraska, where a woman is under arrest and accused of threatening two children. Janet Cochran uh, told police the nine-year-old boy and 14-year-old girl got into an argument with her 18-year-old granddaughter. Uh, officers say she then drove alongside them until she swerved and uh, cut them off on the sidewalk, nearly striking the uh, nine-year-old boy's foot in the process. Uh, Ms. Cochran admitted to following the children as they walked and driving up on the curb to scare them. She is being held on two counts of terroristic threats and using a weapon to commit a felony. Wow. That's just... Wow. You read a story like that? They will... Wow is all you can say. Man, some weird people. And fi- finally, in the uh, broken news, a man from Queens, New York, uh, has been sentenced to a year of probation and fined $5,000 uh, after admitting to smuggling three Burmese pythons in his pants through the U.S.-Canadian border Back in 2018, smuggled three Burmese pythons in his pants. Calvin Bautista, age 38, reportedly hid the snakes in the inner thigh of his pants. Um, he purchased the snakes, at, uh, the snakes at a reptile store in Canada and tried to smuggle them into the U.S. Uh, the uh, python, one of the world's largest snakes... Uh, importation of them is regulated by an international treaty and by U.S. federal regulations listing them as injurious to human beings. So you can't just drive across the border with a Burmese python in your pants. <laughs> is that a python in your pants or are you just happy to say, never mind. Um, <laughs> three Burmese pythons in his pants. <clears throat> Sometimes the... Uh, Jokes just write themselves. There you go. Uh, That is today's broken news report. An update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. (laughs) Definitely that today. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Do you know an exceptional teacher who's made a positive impact in your life or the life of a student? It's time to shine a bright spotlight on these educational heroes with the Finley Rotary Golden Apple Awards. Nominate your favorite teacher from Finley or Hancock County online at finleyrotary.org before April 5th. Nominate an outstanding educator for the Golden Apple Awards. Make a difference. Honor a teacher by visiting finleyrotary.org today. This message provided by WFIN. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Uh, We often talk about uh, the fact that Americans uh, tend to move, change residences at the drop of a hat. And around the uh, first of the year, every year we get the uh, annual reports on the states with the highest and lowest migration rates, uh, places where people are moving to and where they're moving from. And uh, for the past several years, California, one of the uh, net migration loss states, people moving out of California, moving to places like Texas, Florida, the Carolinas, Tennessee, 
Weather has a lot to do with it, obviously, but also, of course, uh, tax structure and and, uh, all of that. So there are a number of reasons. Um, But I thought this was kind of interesting. The flip side of that, this old house analyzed census data to find where homeowners in America tend to stay the longest. Uh, Once you're there, not just you know, within uh, a certain state, but within the same, to, but places where people stay in the same house. Once you are there, you tend to stay. So at the top of the list, uh, the place where homeowners tend to stay put the longest, 36% of those in Hawaii have been in the same home for 24 years or longer. 24 years is where they are least likely to move. And, of course, some of that makes sense because moving to or from Hawaii uh, is <laughs> that's a rather complicated prospect. I uh, just can't rent a U-Haul and, and move to or from Hawaii. It's a little more complicated than that. And, of course, homes in Hawaii are rather pricey, obviously. So once you are in a home, you tend to stay there. 36% of Hawaiian homeowners have stayed put for 24 years or longer. In a three-way tie for second place, 35% of homeowners in New York, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia stay in their house long-term. 37% of all homeowners nationwide say that they plan to stay in their current home forever, but it doesn't always work out that way on the other end of the spectrum. 49% of homeowners in North Carolina moved in less than five years ago. So that's the other end of the uh, spectrum. So just kind of interesting about where people, once they settle down in a home, they tend to stay and not move. So happening around town, the Christian Clearinghouse preparing for their annual benefit garage sale. It is a treasure hunt for a cause. Tammy Stahl from CCH is with us this morning. Tammy, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me today. Always look forward to, now I always look forward to the garage sale each year because I know that it is one of those early signs that spring is on the way. That's right. I mean, that's the good thing about the garage sale. We know spring is right around the corner. nothing else, if nothing else, we look forward to it for that. And if you get a sunny day, you can come out and help us set up and toast with us out there because it gets pretty darn warm in there. I was going to say, you know, that's the other... uh, nice thing you're in the greenhouse uh, again as you've been for many many years at uh, brinkman's and uh, so yeah you get the uh, concentration of the sun yeah it can get that downright toasty in there it's, <laughs> it's balmy and warm in there so it can be 20 out and, and 80 inside so it's really nice in there always look forward to the uh, garage sale because over the years this has become a a real uh a real big event uh, absolutely i mean the community has always supported this event we've been doing this for about 20 years now mm-hmm. and um it's just it's twofold people are getting things that they want or can find or things that bring back memories um, but then the, it also helps out our community because the dollars we raise through this event um, go back to help us in the office so that we can help with people needing food and utilities and help with their utilities or help paying their rent or just a multitude of different things that we can help with at the agency. Yeah, talk a little bit about what Christian Clearinghouse is for the benefit of those who who 
don't know and who uh, are fortunate to have never had to avail themselves right. of your service, count your blessings. Um, but there are a lot of folks in need, and and you're there to kind of uh, fill in some of the gaps. Yeah, really. absolutely. So um, we're almost 30 years old, so we were, we were created on behalf of the churches mm-hmm. um, in the county. So now we have 58 member churches that mm. help support us. But, of course, their support is not enough to make us um, do all the work that we need to do. Yeah. Um, last year, we served over 6,000 families um, with just financial emergency needs. So there's a lot of needs here in the county. Wait, just think about that. 6,000 families uh, yeah, served. Yeah, 6,000. And so you talk individuals and households. There's just there's a big need. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all know what things have done at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. I know I look today at my electric bill and it's like, oh boy, I haven't right. seen my electric bill be quite that high before. Yeah. So we all know that everything has went up um, a lot in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, if you read the paper or listen to anything, you know, rent prices has have went up. Just the price of gas. The uh, price of gas. Spike again this week. Correct. So, yeah. so people are just having difficulty making ends meet um so that's one of you know some of the things that we help but we also help you know, like um city mission or hope house will send people over and will maybe help with a security deposit so we really work with other agencies in the community and people come in on their own also um, but we want to get people housed we want to make sure that we don't have people living on our streets here locally mm-hmm. we want to make sure that everybody has their lights on it's not fun to live without electricity right. or ha- not having heat in your home and so often you encounter folks who are you know scraping and by uh, doing the best that they can, but just need uh, that little extra something because of an unexpected expense or, you know. Or illness. You know, we see people that come in because they had an illness, which has created them to be off work, Mm -hmm. and then they don't have a paycheck. And all of a sudden, their rent's due, and they don't have anything in savings because they're just making ends meet. Right. So um, we see a lot of different scenarios. People will ask me, do we have a lot of repeat people? About 25% of our people come back kind of on a regular basis, but they need our help. And I think the other thing that's difficult is when people are getting like social security, they're lucky to get $1,000 a month and mm-hmm. try living on $1,000 a month. It's yeah. almost impossible. Right. Especially again, these days, we know how uh, the cost of everything has just keeps uh, going up and up and up. And uh, you mentioned Christian Clearinghouse uh, was actually formed as a collaborative of a number of area churches because the uh, the realization that uh, there is strength in numbers. You can do much more with combined resources than any individual entity, any individual yeah. church can do. And again, that was twofold because, um, you know, bringing the dollars together was very, very um, helpful. Mm-hmm. But also, some people weren't always so honest. So having one central location, mm-hmm. um, and also the pastors and the secretaries at the churches, they just don't have time to right. do this in their busy schedule or to help people. So that's why we were created. Yeah. And we've just we've just grown and we've blossomed. And we just, you know, if you don't know about us, come out. We're in the Family Center. I'd love to show you around. Um, but we really work collaboratively with all the agencies in the community and really trying to make a difference for people that need us. So that's why we call uh, the uh, Benefit Garage Sale a treasure hunt for a cause. Yes. Uh, and 
folks can help out uh, in, in this way by donating uh, items to be sold. And that's where you're kind of at right yeah, now, Yeah, right? so get in your cupboards, get in your closets, start <laughs> cleaning things out. Things you don't use, bring those to us and we will re- resell them. We do like things to be in good repair. Mm-hmm. We like things to be clean. We do not take clothing, infant clothing we will take. We will take, you know, children's children's items, but we need things that will resell for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we used to take clothes, but they, they just become overwhelming. We don't have the space out there any longer for that. Yeah. So, you know, any of those knickknacks that you don't want or those Christmas decorations or, you know, whatever it may be. Those white um, elephant gifts. White elephant <laughs> gifts. Yeah, we, we always do a table of white elephant gifts. We yeah. find some pretty funny stuff out there. Yeah. So, um, but we are, you know, We'll start on the 19th, taking your items. That's 9 to 4, Monday through Friday. Mm-hmm. And then Saturday is 9 to noon, and we'll go through March 9th. Um, the following Thursday night is our Velvet Chandelier event, and that's a pre-sale event. Um, we only sell 100 tickets, and and, um, and it's all, again, for a cause. So it's a $50 ticket to get in to shop early and um, be able to get your treasures without having the big crowds that we get on Saturday and Sunday. Um, Saturday, our hours hours are 8.30 to 4. Um, again, this is all out at Brinkman's Greenhouse. Brinkman's have been, they've been wonderful to us. We just really appreciate their support. Um, and then Sunday is what we call bag day. And that is from 1 to 4. So you can fill a bag with items for $10. And, you know, again, this is all a benefit. Every dollar that we raise goes back to, to help people in the community. And um, we need all the funds we can get. It's an awful lot of fun. And, again, raising money for a good cause uh, is the uh, underlying uh, purpose of it. So, again, uh, the important dates. Uh, beginning Monday, you're going to start collecting uh, items now. Do folks drop off their items there at the greenhouse? At the greenhouse, okay. yes. Or if you have something larger okay. that you need picked up, give us a call. We'll probably ask you to send a picture to us, and then we have a, a team that will come out and pick those items Very up. Cool. Um, but we also know that there's some items that don't sell, like entertainment centers are just not a hot item anymore. Mm-hmm. So we don't take those or. Okay pianos or tube tvs things like that yeah so we want again things that are sellable things that we don't have to put in the trash yeah uh so the uh, collection of items donations uh, begin on monday and uh, run through the night the ninth of uh, march okay march. and then the sale itself you mentioned the velvet chandelier uh, the 14th is the 14th the uh, that ensuing weekend, what, 15th and 16th? Then 16th and 17th. 16th and 17th. So think of uh, St. Patrick's Day and the day before. There you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, again, important dates to uh, circle on the calendar for the annual Christian Clearinghouse Benefit Garage Sale, a treasure hunt for a cause. We've got a link up on our webpage for more information, too, at goodmornings.net. Again, where folks can go to learn more about not just the garage sale, but everything that you do. Yeah, so cchsupport.org or give us a call in the office at 419-422-2222. Real easy number to remember. And we'll tell you about the work that we do. And, you know, always stop at the Family Center and see what we we do. Um, We would love to show you through or there's a lot of people out there that can show you through. So um, a lot of good agencies that really come together on behalf of the people with needs here in the community. 
Tammy Stahl, Christian Clearinghouse with us uh, this morning. Tammy, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program, of course. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage, that, of course, goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow to finish out the week, it's the little things that can have the biggest impact. How to change someone's life for the better on Random Acts of Kindness Day. Plus, we'll preview this weekend's high school basketball action, another collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen, and lots more. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.